Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. I'm going to go to John 14. I promise I won't read forever. That's my husband, by the way, who's telling me to take my time. If you guys have it, let me hear amen. John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, I would, not, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come to get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen me. Lord, we thank you, O God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, because you are amazing. You are so gracious in your love and in your mercy, O God, that we are able to gather here on a Sunday morning, O God, just to worship you, to lift you up, O God, to just... we, we, we are honored, O oh God, that we're able to walk into your presence, O oh God, because your son made that way for us, O oh Lord. We thank you, O oh God, for everybody who is here. We ask you, Lord, that you may use me, O oh God, as your vessel, O oh God, to pour into your people, O oh Lord, so that they may come to know you, O oh God, better, stronger, that they may be convinced, O oh God, of, their lo- of your love for them, O oh Lord. And I thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so I'm excited, guys, and I, I like I said, I'm, I'm very, very excited to be here. So we're going to jump right into the text, and I just have a question for you guys because it's very interesting uh, that we have always had great debates in our, in our society, and it's, our great debates have always been through from the beginning of time. Our debates, you know, people for, people against, people yes, people no. And it is amazing to me how the smallest of debates become these huge things in our society. We've seen them all, right? We all have Instagram, Facebook. This, somebody puts up an opinion, and you got about a thousand comments underneath, for and against. Uh, the smallest of things, and one of those huge things that really will sh- will shake you up is the ketchup bottle. Hey, I think the ketchup bottle has broken up homes. The question of all ages, does the ketchup belong in the refrigerator? That's what I mean. I mean, just think about it. The ketchup bottle has infiltrated people's lives to the point where it has broken up families, I think. I think, right? I'm not saying that's truthful. I just think. Because some people say it belongs in the cupboard. Some people say it belongs in the refrigerator. I even found a survey. You guys aren't ready for this. I found a survey. Somebody asked on Twitter, a supermarket chain in Britain, asked on Twitter, 
where do you prefer to put the ketchup? In the cupboard or in the refrigerator? 54% of the people said that the ketchup belongs in the pantry. Yes, I agree, I agree. I don't like cold ketchup. I don't like cold ketchup. Think, of, th think about this, because I was having this conversation with my coworker, and I said, wait a minute. We were talking about ketchup and the debate, and I said, wait a minute. She's like, think about it, Mei-Ling, and I said, let's think about this. And she says, what do you put ketchup on? Hot food. Why do you want to put cold ketchup on hot food? I agree, I told her. I agree, and I'm gonna use that, I told her, because that's logical. It's logical, it's practical. We have somebody on Twitter who even said this, one of the guys says, cold ketchup is trash. And he says this, he says, user declared that dating someone who keeps ketchup in the cupboard is a major deal breaker. Come on, guys. I told you it breaks households up. She or he can be perfect in any way, but the minute that we find out that the ketchup goes in the refrigerator, it's over. We don't want to deal with them. Amen? We just don't. We have another great debate. But I'm going to tell you about the debate that I'm about to tell you has been, the answer has been given. But the other great debate that breaks up households is the toilet paper. Come on. We go over or under? Over or under? I know, I know. We shout it out, we don't know what to do. These are the greatest debates of all time. Over or under in my house? You see the good looking sound guy? This is our struggle. Hashtag struggle. Okay, because he is an under type of guy and I am an over type of girl. So every time I go to use the bathroom, I don't want to get graphic, but I have to switch around the toilet paper. And then I yell from the bathroom, babe, stop switching the toilet paper. And then he laughs because he thinks it's funny. And then I'm like, stop switching the toilet. And he does this to me about two or three times a day. And it makes me nutty. But this debate, ladies and gentlemen, has been resolved. It has been resolved. A 124-year debate has been resolved. The creator, Mr. Wheeler. We found the original patent to the toilet paper mystery, the great debate. He has said that the toilet paper belongs over. So now when you go home, now, you guys can clap, that's, that's great. I, I'm saying that here at Kruha, we are saving households. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying we're saving you the heartache right now. The great debate has been solved. Mr. Wheeler also graciously patented the toilet paper and he has patented it over. That's it, I'm about to drop the mic. That's it, you're welcome, amen. Amen, that's what I'm talking about. Debates have been epic since the beginning of time. Since God, since we have been created and the fall of man, there has been debates. The debates have always been who to worship, what God to worship, what God not to worship, 
Should we worship stone? Should we not worship stone? Should we worship nature? Shouldn't we worship nature? What are we going to do? How do we do? Do I have to say five prayers? Do I have to talk 20 times to the guy in the back? How do we know? How do we know the way in which we should go? And God is also gracious. Also gracious. God had a plan. And he had a plan from the very beginning after Adam and Eve disobeyed. And if we go back to Genesis 3.15, he says this. He says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. I'm sorry. He says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And he made a way. And he told them that somebody will come in and will strike the enemy. He said he will make a way. Aren't we excited? We need to be excited about this because we know, fast forward centuries later, this promise was seen in the flesh. If we go to John 1.29, he says, it says, the next day John, John the Baptist, the one who baptized Jesus, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as Jesus walked, as Jesus walked this world, he gave us access. He secured. He gave us the way. He gave us the example. In that example, he is the way. He is the one who can, who, who is the only one where we can see our Father. We're going we're gonna to step back just for a moment, and I, I want you guys to understand the full access that Jesus made for us with the Father. Amen? We're going to go into the Old Testament, I promise. I won't give you all craziness. I just want to show you guys something. I'm a great, I, I love to illustrate things. I want to be able to piece them together for you guys. We're going to go to the veil. There was something called the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament tabernacle. It says, it refers to the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle where God dwelt. So God in the Old Testament was only found there. People were able to go, only one person was able to go into the Holy of Holies for atonement. And that was the atonement of all sins for, you know, they had to sacrifice things and they had to atone for people's sins. Exodus 36 says this, For the inside of the tabernacle make a special curtain of a finely woven linen decorated with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and with skillfully embroidered cherubim. Hang this curtain on gold hooks attached to four posts of the acacia wood. Overlay the posts with gold and set them in four silver bases. Hang the inner curtain from the clasp and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most high holy place. They build a curtain. They were instructed to build a curtain because nobody can have access except for specifics. And God did this so people can see that there was a kind of order that had to be to be able to walk into that place. A kind of reverence. If you fast forward to Jesus on the cross, Mark 15 says this. 
Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain in the sanctuary. So from centuries before that, in the Old Testament Exodus, where that instruction was given, this is this curtain that they are speaking about in the New Testament. Centuries after. It says, when Jesus took his last breath, the curtain was torn in two. That symbolizes that he had a tone for every single person who had walked, whoever will walk, who will walk in the future, who will walk after we have, after all of us here are gone. It says that it was torn in two. And it's so clear it's to say because Jesus says, right, in, in, John, in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he goes, and no one will get to the Father except through me. So that debate, as much as our society still tries to figure out which way to go, that debate has been resolved. Jesus resolved it. He resolved it the minute that that veil tore, the minute he died for our sins, he resolved that, 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 that situation. He said, hey, no longer do you have to be perfect to enter my father's house. I made that way for you. I, Jesus of Nazareth, made the way so you no longer have to hide from your shame. You no longer have to dwell in your past. You no longer have to do any of these things. I can give you, and I will give you, and I have given you full access to the Father. Come on, church. If you understood that we are able to come here, feel God's presence, feel his Holy Spirit, know who he is intimately, not as a passerbyer, you would understand that what Jesus did on that cross, that bill tore its way, and he is the way that made us be able to walk into God's presence and feel the freedom that we have there. We are able to, we are able to be naked in front of our Father, who we are, our dirt, our shame, our disgustingness, our evilness, everything that we can ever imagine, we are able to walk into God's presence, all because Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross and said, hey, it is finished. It, no longer do you have to atone. No longer do you have to go and sacrifice 20 sheep and 50 lambs and all these other things. No longer do you have to do that. No longer do you have to sacrifice. We need to be excited, church. He took the burden away from us. He took the burden away from us. If you are writing down anything, you can write. He took the burden away from us. He said, I am the way. I am the one. I walked here. I was born for this. I was born for you. I was born to reconcile you to our Father. I, this is what I was called to do. This was my purpose. This is the reason. This is the reason I came. Yes, listen, Christmas is great. All that stuff is great, but I came. I came so you can have life. I came so you can come to the Father. And who you are and who you want to be is all found in me because I have made the way. And still we search. We search. But searching for other things besides Jesus is not new. Searching for other things besides Jesus is not new. The Bible says there is nothing new under the sun. It isn't new. 
They did it before us. They did it before Jesus came. They did it when he got here, and they did it after he left. Searching is not new. There was one particular person who, as I was reading the text, I'm excited to, to show you guys this because I think we can learn. We can learn from him, and he is probably one of the most controversial figures in the New Testament, and that is Judas. the one who betrayed Jesus. And we stand there and we think to ourselves, how can you betray Jesus? And I have been guilty of that too. I, you know, we always go into these conversations. If we were walking with Jesus, we would believe. I don't know. I don't know. And I say that for myself. I don't know if I would believe. Because we like to search. We like to search out things. We like to search out people. We like to search new things, right? That's what we like to do. I got the new S8. My husband's in his glory. I can care less. He makes a phone call, I'm good. He searches my phone. He's like, ooh, babe, look at this and look at that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Can I make a phone call? Can I make a text message? That's all I want to know. But Judas searched. And I was reading the text. I saw Judas and I thought to myself, I said, man, I said, Judas, I, I almost felt bad for, not that I almost, I felt bad for him. And maybe it's my Christian counseling textbooks that I've been reading because I'm in school now. <laughs> but it made me look at him in a different light. I said, yes, Lord, he betrayed you. But wow, Lord, he didn't know better. And he walked with you. So I want to read to you guys what here. Jesus responded. This is John 13. This is the chapter prior. It is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus said, hurry and do what you are going to do. They were at the Last Supper. And it's interesting to me because as I was reading this and I'm putting together my sermon notes, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, like, okay, the truth. You know? Yes. Amen. The truth. And then I went back and I read the previous chapter and I said, hey, what's going on in that context? And it was the Last Supper and we all know, we've all seen the picture by Da Vinci, the Last Supper. Chapter 13, chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice here in the book of John that Judas had already exited before that statement was made. Judas went to go betray our Savior for 30 pieces, right? And I started thinking to myself, I said, man, Lord, I welted up in tears at my computer, and I said, man, Lord, I said, he was searching. He was just looking. He was looking because the circumstances before him wasn't his ideal. He was looking for a Messiah who was going to come in and tear, and tear everybody up. But that wasn't the Messiah that was before him. It didn't fit into his mold. Jesus walked around and said, hey, I came here for the sick, and Judas is like, wait a minute. 
People are, he's like, no, no, don't worry about that. I came here for the sick people. And Judas is like, but why are you so kind? And why are you so compassionate? Jesus is like, this is what I came for. And Judas wanted somebody opposite of that. So he got up and he went to betray. And what he was really doing was searching. He was searching for an answer other than the one he had in front of him. He was searching for the one, for, for, for somebody else to fulfill him. He was searching, and, and we do the same. We, we look to our spouses, we look to our children, we look to our jobs, we look to, to, to family members, we look to, for the brand new pair of J's, we look for the new iPod, we look for the new phone. We, hey, and there's nothing wrong with that stuff, it's good, but when you're trying to search for something that to fill your God void, none of those things will ever measure up. None of those things will ever measure up to the truth that is Jesus Christ. None of those things. And as I was thinking, I kept thinking about Judas. I said, man, Lord, I said, he missed it. He missed it. He missed the truth that was in you. He missed the truth that was in you. He missed the truth, the promise. He missed it. He missed it all because he was searching for someone else or something else or something better or something newer. All because he was searching for something to fit his idea. And we do the same. We, we, we go out there and we try to fit things into our idea. And then we, and you know, we know the way Judas ended up, right? I mean, it's not, it's, it's not a secret. And then I started thinking about that. I was like, wow, Lord. I said, while he was searching and he, he, he felt guilty and then he killed himself. And I was like, man, Lord. I said, but wait a minute. Maybe we do the same. Because the idea, our ideas are fit into something that don't belong. And then we keep searching for that same exact thing. And then eventually, because it doesn't pan out, we put those things to death. When Jesus is saying, I am the truth, he's saying, hey, I don't care what your circumstance looks like. I don't care where you think you need to go. I'm telling you that I am all the truth you need because you are the child of God, because you are my righteousness, because you are blessed, because you are great, because you will do greater things than I did here. And he is saying all of these things, but sometimes our fear gets in the middle of it all and we put those things to death. We put those things to death. Let me share something with you. You know what convinces me of the things of me being able to stand here? It is not my holiness. I'll tell you that right now. It is not my holiness that says, hey, Maylene, you can do this. It is because I understand that God's truth is way bigger than mine. It is way bigger than my pit of my stomach. You guys have no idea the knots that I have in my belly right now. But it is because I have heard the voice of my Lord and he has said, I have called you to do this. I don't care if anything else is occurring around you. I've had a crazy morning. I don't care what is going on within you. I have called you to do this. And Jesus is standing here today and he is sitting right next to you. And if you close your eyes and you look to the side of you, he is standing and sitting right there and telling you, I don't care. My truth is above all things. You have the truth and the truth will set you free.
And that verse is well quoted. It is well quoted. It is always quoted. Let me, if we go to John 8, I, I want to read it to you, but I, I want you guys to look at it a different way because in John 8, he's explaining these things. And this is the message translation. It says, then Jesus turned, actually it's the NLT. <clears throat> Thank you, Amir. Then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will, oh, I gave you the wrong one. Then you will experience yourselves the truth, and the truth will set you free. You jump down to verse 36. He says, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. But the verses before that says the truth will set you free. And then 36 says the Son will set you free. And he's telling you that the Son is the truth. And Jesus claims it all out. He says, I am your truth. I am the one who can fulfill you and cradle you and embrace you. Stop searching for those things that will not fill you. They won't. Heed the voice of Jesus. Heed the voice of Jesus. He is the one who can fill you up. He is the one who has made the way. He is the one who has called you out. He is the one who will love you. My desire here today is to really tr let you guys know that we can stop searching now. He is the one thing in your life that has been constant and continues to be constant. He is the constant one. He is the constant one. And as you tear yourselves up trying to see what fits, he's telling you, you don't need to look at those things because I fit. That puzzle piece that you're missing is me. I fit. And he makes one last claim, that he is the life. And as our worship team comes up, I, I won't take more of your time. I just, I pray to God that you see Jesus a little clearer here today. Hmm. He says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was, God. he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome. And Jesus says, I am the life. And in the very beginning, he was with God. And he became in the flesh so that we may have life and life in abundance. 
And it's very curious to know that people ask all the time, and it's just curious to know because in the Genesis 1, it also says in the beginning. In the beginning. And he gives us life. And he gives us an understanding of life, and he gives our life meaning. And when we understand that it is his breath, when we sing up here, it is your breath in our lungs, that is a truth statement. Because in Genesis, if you go back to when Adam and Eve were created, the Bible says that God breathed life into the lung of man. And because we are God-bearing, we're the image of God, he breathed life into each and every one of us. And his son was the ultimate life giver. And he gave us the, and he is the life. Because he, we are now able to be reconciled with our father. And we are not able to stop the searching. And we know the way that Jesus has carved out for us. I'm going to share with you guys just one more thing as I was reading my textbook. <clears throat> it says this. It is a realization that we were made to know God. Not just to know about him. And we can't, fully, can't be fully satisfied until we do. There is a voice within the human soul that cries out for more than riches, comfort, power, and pleasure. More than just a limited temporal existence. As I read that, I was like, wow, Lord. And all that fancy language all it's saying is that every part of us, every piece of us is screaming out for Jesus. Whether we understand it or not, whether we keep searching or not, every single one of us is just screaming out for Jesus. And God is so gracious because he waits. He just waits. Jesus made these bold statements in a time right before his, he was about to be picked up. And it's curious to me that he would make such, such a statement and almost to assure them of the things to come that they didn't see yet because the Bible says they didn't understand what he was talking about. But he still says, he reassured them, hey, no matter what, you may not foresee, you may not know your tomorrow, you may not know the next minute, but I am telling you that I am still the way. I will still be the truth, and I will still be the life. I will still be it. When you see me hanging on a cross, don't you be troubled. That's what he says. He says, don't you be troubled. I am telling you that I am still the way, the truth, and the life, and I am sitting here today, and he is here in this house, and he is telling you that you may walk out the door, and you may not know what occurs, and he is still screaming out to you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is good news, church. We allow ourselves to go in a frenzy. And God's word still stands. And I am not exempt. When my mind starts to drift because of all the craziness that is going on in this world, I say, Lord, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I hold my thought captive 
to the truth and I say, you know what? No matter what happens in this world, no matter what is going on outside, no matter what the tragedies are, you still hold the world in your hands. And that is still the truth. And that is still the way. And that is still the life. And everybody in this world is trying to figure out themselves. And we are in a society who doesn't understand. And God is still constant. He is still saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus. Jesus. Let's bow our heads. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.